Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him, outside the camp, and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for bringing us all here together, this opportunity to worship you. Lord, we thank you for this, this amazing opportunity to walk straight into your throne room, Lord, and to be right next to you. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we ask that you would be with Pastor Doug as he comes. Lord, give him boldness in his voice. Allow him to share the truth that you have laid on his heart. Lord, allow us to hear him well, so that we may hear from you this morning. And Lord, send us from here... Uh, enriched, empowered, Lord, to do your will in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you all comfortable this morning? I might be making you uncomfortable. Not by my words, but what the passage that Pastor Steve just read for you. There are some things in there that we won't mind listening to, and there may very well be some things in there that we don't want to heed. But last time I knew, God is in control. Amen? It's his word and not ours. Well, I can say from a very positive scene that uh, we're almost through the book of Hebrews. We've got one more, uh, Lord willing, one more message uh, to close out this book. And then I encourage you to start reading the Old Testament book, only three chapters long, the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, whatever you wish to pronounce it, for that is where we will be going. And there are many questions in that book that the prophet Habakkuk asks God. And they all hinge on one simple word, why? Have you ever asked God why? Or am I the only one? There are many times in lives when we ask God why. And the book of Habakkuk will help us to understand not just who God is, but his sovereign grace and what he does. So I encourage you to, to go along with that and read that if you will. 
couple of prayer requests that I want to draw your attention to. Uh, Judy Dyer uh, told me this morning that her brother-in-law finally did pass away. He left this earth in a battle of illness. No longer is he shackled to that battle. He's been set free. Amen. He is experiencing the joy and the glory of, of, of God's heaven. And so, uh, but still, there are the moments of loneliness. So remember to pray for that family. Also, our dear sister uh, uh, Peggy goes, no, no, Polly goes in for surgery this coming week, right? Is that what I, that's what you told me, honey? Okay, she's Tuesday, she's going in. So we want to remember uh, Polly also. Sorry, Peggy, I didn't mean to, to startle you. I'm, I'm not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet, and, uh, but uh, remember Polly uh, on Tuesday as uh, she goes in for some surgery. Lord, we need your help this morning, your help to understand, your help to clarify, your help to speak well of the passage that is before us. But there's other means of help, too. I pray, Lord, that you would help the, the family members of Judy and the passing of a loved one from their family. Help them, O oh Lord God, in their times of sorrow, loneliness, come alongside them and comfort them. Polly is going in for surgery on Tuesday. You already know that. You have already are aware of the situation, and I pray, Lord, that you would guide the doctors and allow the procedure to go well and be successful in her life. And Lord, and then there's the unrest that all of us are aware of in the Middle East. Your nation, the nation of Israel, was under attack. And yet, Lord God, we know that your word and your promises to that nation will not come to an end, for they are eternal. But in the meantime, I pray for the peace of Israel. That's what your word says. We are to pray for the peace of Israel. And I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would direct the leaders of that country, that nation, also, Lord God, we know that there's always circumstances of war. Families are torn apart. And Lord, I, I, I pray that there would be a witness in that area. Whether missionaries, I know, that are there. Empower them, O oh Lord God, that even in the midst of war, there can be peace, eternal peace, spiritual peace that is only found in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we keep our eyes focused on that part of the world, we also realize that we must keep our eyes focused upon you. For there will be a day when you will reign on this earth. In the center, your throne will be established in Jerusalem, and you will rule and reign, and there will be peace. And so, Lord God... Let us focus upon your word this morning, upon the aspects of it that speak of you, for we realize that you are the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. And may we never forget that. But may we relish in it knowing full well that our God reigns. And he's worthy of worship. And to this end, we thank you and praise you. Amen. One plus one equals two. No matter what today is, one plus one equals two. No matter what tomorrow will bring, one plus one is still going to equal two. Whether I feel a two or not has no bearing upon the realization that one plus one equals two. We ask ourselves the question, why? Because it's the standard. It always will be the standard. No matter what I feel about it, no matter whether I like it or not, one plus one still equals Two. And there is another standard. And the other standard is God Himself. For there is none like Him, there never will be anyone like Him, past, present, or future. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the standard. And he has declared his standard in his written word for us to be able to understand what that standard is. Whether I like it or not, God is the standard. And he's always true. He is always righteous. He is always holy. Whether it is through his characteristics, whether it is through his promises, whether it is through him working in and amongst our lives, even in this world today, he is the standard. And if you are following or if you are measuring yourself against yourself, you're measuring yourself against the wrong standard and you're heading in the wrong direction. That's what Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse 8, describes for us. It really comes in two different uh, parts. In verses 8, if you will, down through verse 9, there's the standard of foundation. And then the remaining verses that Pastor Steve read for us is a standard of function. But never lose sight, dear people, that it is God and God alone. He is worthy of worship and praise. In fact, if you will, when we get to the function part, you'll find a very familiar theme that has already been laid out for us in chapter 12 and verse 28, which it says that we are to worship him in awe of who he is. And because of that, as we said last week, there are certain things of our lives that we should do. And chapter 13 is the hands-on. It's the culmination, if you will, of everything that has been set forward up to this point 
So when you get to chapter 13, you ask yourself the question, so what? Well, that dictates in our lives. In fact, the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is centered upon the superiority of who Jesus Christ is. You might remember from chapter 1, he is the authority, he is the standard that even by which God speaks to us today. It is him. Then the writer of Hebrews goes on and he's also superior to the angelic forces, the angelic beings. Then he goes on to say he's even greater than Abraham. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than all of the Old Testament law. Why? Because he entered into the Holy of Holies once for all with his own blood. And because of that, he has availed to us a place that we can come, known as the very throne of God, where we may find grace and mercy to help in time of need. And have you been there this week, is the question. Well, this morning, we must plow and pursue, and we're going to finish at least until verse 17. But notice, if you will, the foundation that is set for us in verses 8 and 9. It speaks of the immutability of who God is. Let me give you a definition of what we mean by immutability. Simply means he's unchangeable. But in a more, more if you will, greater definition, it's this. God's inability to change his divine nature or character or be altered by infinite circumstances or events. I like what one theologian said. He said it this way. To say that God is immutable is to say that he never differs from himself. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And aren't you glad that he'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you? Aren't you glad that his promises of glory that still await us will come to fruition? For even Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive one of myself. That where I am, there you're going to be also. And I look for that day, every day. I'm like you, I can't wait to go home. No, it's not where the roast is burning. It's where the glory of God is. Can't wait to go home. But the writer of Hebrews is drawing our attention to this glorious truth that even the Apostle James has shared for us in chapter 1 and verse 17. In God, there is no variation. There is no shadow of turning. And we sing that glorious song that reminds us that he is immutable. He doesn't change. And when the author of this letter makes this statement in chapter 13 and verse 8, the early recipients of this letter, and even us this morning as we're seated here in this, in this room called the sanctuary, we come to realize this, dear people, that there is no one that is more superior than our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Nobody. Not one thing, not one philosophy of life. He is all in all. And because of that, 
the Lord Jesus Christ even portrayed in, on this earth as the Apostle Paul wrote for us in Colossians chapter 1 where he says, In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you want to know who God is, even though we cannot see him, just think of who Jesus is. That's who God is. If you want to understand what it is about God that makes him tick, look at Jesus. Because he is the embodiment of the Godhead, walked in glory, dwelt among us. And in him, John says, there is no darkness, none whatsoever. He is the glory. Now you might remember from a historical context that these first century Hebrew Christians that received this letter, they are being drawn, trying to have individuals woo them, if you will, to another form or back to the Old Testament law form of living. And what this writer was reminding them is even that is not superior to who Jesus is. It's Christ and Christ alone. To fully understand this situation of the immutability of Jesus Christ, let me read for you a statement. This is a paragraph that I came across from a theologian by the name of Scott Hornell. You can Google him and find him. But anyway, this is what he says. He explains the question, if God is immutable, then what about the incarnation? How could the eternal divine son assume a human nature? The answer is this, he says. Although united to a finite human nature, the Son's divine nature remains unchanged. His attributes, perfections, purposes, and promises never change. And no matter where you go in this world today, dear people, you will realize that Christ is there. He is accessible. God the Father is accessible. God the Son is accessible. God the Holy Spirit is accessible. Why? Because they are the Godhead. The triune Godhead. Not three gods, but one God and three persons. Blessed, as the hymn writer says, Trinity. And so when these first century Christians, and maybe even you here this morning, you're seated here, you're probably kind of wondering, is it really worthwhile following Jesus Christ? The writer of Hebrews would say, absolutely. Absolutely. Because Jesus Christ is unchanging in his ways. He's superior. He is superior for pressing on with stability in a constantly changing world. It appears every day you wake up, you try to catch up with the news. Don't listen to NBC, ABC, CBS, or the CNN, Clinton News Network. Don't listen to them. Pay attention to what's happening in the world and go to the Word of God and understand that this world is changing. Change happens every moment. In fact, there's a Greek saying, and you might have heard this before, the only permanent thing is change. That's what they believe. It's inevitable. 
Change can happen in an instant. You lose a job or you gain a job. You move from one place to another. But sometimes change is a little bit slower. All of a sudden you step back and you remember those little bundles you brought home from the hospital the day. And all of a sudden they look nothing like that anymore. Where did the time go? A little bit slower. But in Christ, there is no change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let me let you in on a little secret, and you can take that to the bank. The bank of heaven is rich with the glory that is his. Well, but you'll notice in verse 9 that the purpose for that statement is directed toward the first century Christians because they're being drawn away. They're not persevering. And the writer of Hebrews reminds them that don't be led astray away by diverse and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And when you stop and think about that statement, you come to realize that the fundamental principle that builds a life is the grace of God, his grace. It is by his grace and through his grace that, that we are reminded by the Apostle Paul that we are saved through, by grace through faith. It is that grace that meets us every day and carries us through every moment. It's God's grace. And it might be only the strength enough for you to put your feet on the floor. It's still grace of Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews is warning them and us that don't forsake that. Don't forsake that whatsoever. These false teachers are trying to woo these Jewish believers back to the law. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says that those priests now, they don't even have an altar to go to anymore. Why? Because it's done away with in Christ. But anyway, enslavement, that's what the law does. It enslaves. I have an interesting quote from uh, Chuck Swindoll that I'd like to read for you. He says these words. It is grace which strengthens the believer's heart, not subscription to rules and the avoidance of prohibited foods. There's no room now for material sacrifices, animal offerings, sacred meals, and hallowed altars. All that is over. And I love what he finishes, and gone. It's over. It's gone. It's God's grace. Well... That is the foundation upon which now we can draw five functions. Five functions that the writer of Hebrews says we too need to be about. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the first function is this. We have an altar to use. Did you notice that in verse 10? Verse 10, it literally says, we have an altar from which... 
those who serve the tent, the tabernacle, have no right to eat. We have an altar. What in the world does this mean? Well, the old system of the tabernacle accomplishes nothing eternal, nothing spiritual, and nothing that can contribute to our salvation or sanctification. It never has in any permanent way. But as believers, we have an altar completely distinct from the system of sacrificial animals that were given at the tabernacle. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This particular reference here that we have an altar is in reference to the fact that Jesus Christ once and for all gave his life upon a cross, shed his blood, all for the remission of sin. And in fact, John writes to us in 1 John chapter 2, because of that, he satisfied the requirements of God, not only ours, but for the whole world. Why? Because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why. We don't look back. We look forward. Forward to the fact that our God, Jesus Christ, gave his all upon the altar. So we have an altar to use. I I like what Paul says also in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the cross. It's that power point. I, I challenge you, once in a while, don't do it all the time because you, you won't be allowed back in the, in the restaurant. But I challenge you, if your waitress or waiter comes up to you and has a cross, wearing a cross, ask them a question. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? I've heard, oh, it's just a piece of jewelry. Oh, I love that answer. Because then I can say, well, if you've got a couple of minutes, let me tell you what it really means. Or oh, I've also heard, it's a symbol of my faith in Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Amen. Go tell someone about it. That's what we have, dear people. That is our strength. And aren't you glad the cross is empty? Aren't you glad the tomb is empty? And aren't you glad heaven's waiting? That's what we have to look forward to. We have an altar. The second thing is this. Is this one you might not want to pay attention to. Turn your hearing aids down if you need to, but we have a reproach to bear. We have a reproach to bear. The illustration is the fact that once the animal's blood was was shed and it was poured on the altar that particular carcass was taken out and burned outside of the city as a symbol if you will of sins being dealt with away well the writer of hebrews says that jesus was crucified 
outside the gate of the city. Now, now can you catch the symbolism that is here? The symbolism is this, is that he was numbered with the transgressors, Isaiah 53, verse 12, but he was innocent. He, was, he suffered death for one who was cursed, Galatians 3, 13. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But he was blessed above all. He endured ridicule and mocking while hanging on the cross. And though he deserved worship and praise. All of that, dear people, is our identification. And I'm sure some of you have already experienced that. We have a reproach to bear. You walk down any street, if you will, the big booming town of, of Herndon, and, 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 and ask just someone. Talk to them. Would you mind if I shared with you the greatest news of all? And you'll get the first few words out. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And they walk away. One of my great friends called me the other day. In fact, it was Thursday this past week. And he said, pray for me. I'm on my way to witness to my uncle who now has hospice coming in. So I got to pray with him over the phone. And I said, now call me when, when, when you know what, what happened. I want to know. He called me back and he said, Doug, he refused to listen. In fact, he said, if you keep talking like that, I'll kick you out of my house. A reproach to bear. Jesus was mocked. He was mocked by the ones who should have known better. The religious people. They were looking for the Messiah and there he was. And yet they refused. But aren't you glad there was a thief on one of his sides that literally said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus said, wonderfully, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Even in that moment, grace abound. Oh, we have to bear reproach. Yes, we do. There'll be times and seasons when the church has gone through some of the most horrific reproach whatsoever, slaughtered because of the name of Christ. And we think that we're safe in the United States, nice and comfortable in this too hot of a sanctuary. Thank God for fans. We think we're safe. We're not. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. Reproach, dear people. We have to bear that. We carry with us the very mark of reproach. For we are Christians belonging to Jesus Christ. Thirdly, thirdly, Turn your hearing aids back up. We have a city to seek. Did you see that in verse, 13, in verse 14? 
For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Someone help me with a hallelujah. He's talking about glory. He's talking about the end result of all of this. School will be over. Graduation is coming. We will be able to see face to face the one who died for us, the one who saved us. And we will be able to worship him in all glory and honor that is due his name. Looking for a city. Someone sang a song a long time ago, looking for a city with a new foundation. Whose builder, chief builder is Jesus Christ. I can't even begin to imagine how great it's going to be. How magnificent it is. And yet the, the writer of Hebrews says, in order to get through this life, keep focused on where we're going. The glory of heaven. The fourth one is this. In verse 15 and 16, we have a sacrifice to offer. Because Jesus Christ is superior, we have a sacrifice to offer. No, we, we, we may not have a, a physical earthly altar. No, we, we don't have the blood of animal sacrifices. No, we don't have no position worthy of this world's praise. No, we, we have no permanent place, if you will, on this earthly citizenship. But there's one thing that we do have. Is that the opportunity to present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what is the perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Offer of a sacrifice, praise to who he is. Always, God is more interested in the attitude of our heart expressed through genuine worship, expressed through, if you will, external services, as you notice. Some of this worship declares that we are to be giving, serving people. Thinking nothing better than Operation Christmas Child. Next week, Beth Reed is going to tell us about another ministry. Yes, we can. The opportunity to give. There's nothing more, I'm going to, bad English. There's nothing more funner than that. It's gooder than chicken, as they say down south. And, and that's what the apostle who writes this is telling us. The sacrifice of ourselves in order that others would be able to come and to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That takes time. I know it takes time. I, I, I know it takes bravery. I, I got that. I understand that. But we have nothing of a better to share with them than the gospel. You might remember, entertain 
strangers? Because you never know when one of them's going to be an angel. I was kind of hoping that would happen around our table with six of them. But yet, what better opportunity do we have to share Jesus Christ and all that we say and all that we do and all that we have? All that you're trying to keep, and there's nothing wrong with saving. I got that, saving and, and preparing for the future. I got all of that. But guess what? It all stays here. It all stays here. Use it for the glory of Christ. And I guarantee you, the storehouses of heaven will be overflowed to your life. One last one, and then we'll finish. The last one is this. You might want to turn your hearing aids back down. We have leaders to follow. That's what he says in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That's my job. That's our elders' job. That's our deacons' jobs. That's our Sunday school job, teachers' jobs. That's parents' jobs. That's what we're to be doing, leaders. Forget the ones in Washington, D.C. I'm talking about here and now. That's what we're to be about. To protect you from false doctrine, from false teaching that would draw you away to follow after a fancy that will leave you empty. Jesus has established these offices, as we saw last week, for the specific purpose of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what we're about. Getting you involved. So that when me and others who are coming to the sunset of their life, the church will be in good hands. All you younger ones, Jesus, let me tell you from an old man, Jesus is worth following. He really is. Pick up the gauntlet. I'm about ready to pass the baton. Not that I'm planning on it, by the way. But I'm about ready to pass the baton on to somebody else. And let the race continue to go. That's what it's all about. We have a foundation. It's in Jesus Christ. As he was when the first dot of black ink made it to the page of paper of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 to even today of October the 15th, 2023. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is worth following. He is. Let's pray. Glorious Lord. How fantastic. And we use the word awesome. But how awesome you are. That you have given to us. The promise that as you were in eternity past, 
you are today and you will be tomorrow and through all eternity yet to come. You never change. You are king eternal, creator and sustainer of all that there is. And we relish in your promises and we stand firm upon the foundation knowing full well that your word will never cease to be true. So Lord, I pray and maybe throughout this coming week we'll spend a little bit more time in your presence. Whether it's reading your word, whether it's gathering to pray, whether it's the desire to fellowship in any of those situations, may you be honored and glorified. Thank you for this morning, for the attention of these dear saints. And I ask your rich blessing upon them. For you alone are worthy and still worth following. Amen.